Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Nolan. I'm Zach. Look at that, three of us. Three again, that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> Fellas, how we doing? Nolan, you had a birthday yesterday. How, how Did you do anything fun? How are you? Happy birthday. All that stuff. Yeah, no, it was good. Uh, we did absolutely nothing for the day, which was nice. Uh, and then the night before, went out and had a nice dinner, which is the first time I think I've been out to eat since uh, probably your play. So that was nice oh, wow. to see adults and that the real world was still functioning and had delicious food. Uh, the place we went to has a chili-infused vodka, and it's called the Hot Monk. And usually I'll do a spicy drink and be like, yeah, okay. This thing was hot. Like, it was legit hot and delicious, and I don't know. I really need to get the recipe, but it was one of those things. She's like, we ordered it, and she's like, it's spicy. I'm like, okay. I like spicy. She's like, no, it's spicy. I was like, okay, now I have to have it. Thank you for that. So... And it was it was hot, like you would like it would it burned on the way down, like it was just lava. It was fantastic. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, I've never had a drink where I was like, okay, okay, you know, you could hurt yourself if you were like doing shots of it or something. I'm sure. So, other than that, uh, yeah, just a few video games, a little while, little Elder Scrolls, uh, lots of reading about the topic this week, and then got sucked into a Netflix show, some Shadow and Bone series, and uh, binge watched yeah. all of it. Shri was suggesting that last night that we started that, but I, I, I unfortunately it was one of those where I'm like, listen, I would love to get into a show, but I have so much going on that I can't afford to lose myself in a show right now. So right. I was like, I'm going to have to pass on that. We instead, we watched <laughs> as ridiculous as it was. It was actually fun. We ended up watching Thunder Force. <laughs> have either of you heard of okay. this? It's with <laughs> Melissa. It's with Melissa oh, McCarthy. Yes. Where she gets turned into a superhero. It's ridiculous. No, it's dumb. It's a Melissa Car McCarthy movie, and it was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, there's nothing about it that is not unpredictable. Like everything you watch, you're like, okay, this is going to happen next. Okay, this is going to happen next, and it follows that, you know. But it was stupidly fun. That's awesome. Sometimes you need a throwaway movie. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of, I guess we won't call it a throwaway movie. You you watched a movie this weekend for your birthday. What was that? Oh, yeah, we watched uh, Mortal Kombat and got to, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a purist when it comes to that. I think it was the first fighting game I played, but I did. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I would be curious to hear how a real fan is. Like, there's a part where Kano's fighting a reptilian guy and like pulls out his heart and is holding it and he just goes Kano wins and I'm like oh it's from the game like is that cheeky or are people like losing their mind as a fan like I don't know it felt kind of out of place like haha they're doing the thing and but other than that I mean I think they said fatality a couple of times and uh finish him a few so <laughs> it felt like the game but I don't I, it was a fun ride so Zach you said you watched it too I did, yeah. I I woke up early on Friday so I could watch it before I went to work. <laughs> and what did you think? Um, I liked it. I did not like that the only person that was having fun was Kano. Yeah, like, he was definitely the... Was, everyone else was so serious all the time, which I get. But Mortal Kombat, like the, like the video game, was just like expressly a kid playing with his action figures. It's why Jean-Claude okay. Van Damme and a dude with metal arms, a, Kung, a Shaolin monk, and a dude with a laser for his eye, and ninjas are all fighting, right? Like, 
it's fun and you know it's why people are getting uppercutted and they fall into some spikes right and instead it's like now this one's going to be all serious all the time and i was like kano is the best part because he's ripping the dude's heart out and then saying kato wins like i'm gonna have to watch it it's good i mean it is it's worth the, the journey uh i don't again i don't know any of the lore or anything like that with it so it was weird seeing i mean it's cool like i don't know i think we grew up like sub-zero and scorpion being you know totally badass uh and probably everyone's early favorite i feel like scorpion was kind of the face of it for a while but i always thought he was like I don't know. I always thought he was the super bad guy and Sub-Zero was the other clan. And then in this one here, they kind of threw that around. So I was like, I have no idea. So I'm going to have to do some researching and see if there is actually a official lore, if they just make it up every time they create a new game. And and uh, gosh, I don't know. It was cool. It, it's, yeah, another fun one. Don't, <laughs> I'm not holding my breath for the trilogy, but I'm not either. <laughs> but it was good. So I'll Nether be Mount- my... Oh, go ahead, Zach. Uh, they're one of the few game companies that create single player focused fighting games like the Mortal Kombat from like Mortal Kombat like nine through present. Like each one has an in-depth story mode. Like you don't need that's to, awesome. You don't need to play online at all. Like I've never have, but I've enjoyed every single one. And it does like it does fun stuff. So I think they're great games if you can handle like the ultra violence, but like they're like Mortal Kombat and Injustice, in-depth single player. Yeah, Injustice was fantastic. Yeah, and I think so. anybody that's got, I think they just, I mean, their ability to ask people like, hey, can we have your thing and put them in the game? And people are like, yeah, do it. So randomly yeah. seeing, you know, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator show up and be a be a, a, yeah. a guy you could play. It's just you never know what you're gonna get. Uh. Yeah, so I and- remember years and years ago when when the arcade game first came out, um, and and my parents freaking out because well, I shouldn't say my parents. My dad didn't give a shit. My mom was <laughs> like, "What?" the hell like she just happened to come into the arcade uh this is on fort wainwright in alaska my older brother and i were in the arcade when my parents were either at the commissary or the px um and they had mortal Kombat. it was like there was a line of people wanting to play it because it had just come out right and we didn't get to play but we got to see it and i and it was just one of those few times that my mom and dad or, or i think it was my mom came into the arcade and saw us and saw the game and flipped shit because it was like right at a fatality or or drop on the spikes or something like that. And oh my gosh. And then when it was released originally for Sega Genesis, there was like arguments in my house as to whether or not we could get that game. And ultimately, I think my brother and I were like, well, fuck it. We'll just go buy it on our own. And, you know, it was one of those where you knew the guy who would sell to you if you were underage. And yeah. <laughs> so we wait till he was working and we went and bought it kind of thing. Um, and even then, like you had to know the blood code to put in to get all the fatalities to see all the gore and like we knew like we couldn't play the game if mom and dad were awake well again dad didn't care if mom was awake you had to play the game clean <laughs> you yeah. couldn't put in the blood code as soon as they went to bed though shit was on <laughs> yep yeah it's the i don't know it's it's definitely i gosh how many games have been out and there is no reason for it to go away ever and every time the graphics update it is always pushing the boundaries of what can happen and they do a good job i just 
it's one of those things where it's like, okay, it's a Mortal Kombat movie. You know what to expect ish, but you're hoping it's going to be good. And then you have like little flashbacks of like, whatever this is, you know, the D and D movie, like, is this going to be the scale? Are we going to get this? Or are we going to get Lord of the Rings, you know, style? Like, you know, so I'm like, uh, I don't know. No, no, it was good. It's a good, good show. Watch it. I'll have to watch it. So it looks like Mortal Kombat originally came out in 1992. Uh, so my brother would have been a senior in high school. I would have been a junior. Uh, and, and again, I mean, I, you guys have to remember in like the early 90s, late 80s, that was the satanic panic. That was, I mean, even like even music, like <laughs> my brother and I talk about it now, like because he was he was really into bands like Slayer and Metallica. And we had to hide our cassette tapes from my mom because she would take them. <laughs> she didn't yeah. want us listening to them. So <laughs> in fact, we had a, a speaker that was completely cleaned out, like the magnets and stuff were all removed and we would stack our cassette tapes in there. So she couldn't find them. Thankfully, mom doesn't listen to this show. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, she can't take them anymore. Well, this is true. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, for me, I've been so busy this week, I haven't done anything. Um, like I said, we were talking earlier, uh, had to cancel our D&D game this week because I'm required or not required, but have been um, asked in such a way that I didn't feel like I could decline to come into work the last couple of days and, and log some overtime hours to get some stuff done. Um, it's one of the few times that I'm happy that I'm not salaried because <laughs> usually I'm like, just put me on salary so I don't have to worry about it. Now I'm like, mm, no, no, I, I don't want to be on salary. I'll take the overtime. So I haven't done Take anything. Again. I, yeah, I did get a chance to read through our topic of the night, which is uh, the runes of Simbarum, the promised land, which we'll be talking about later. Uh, but I did want to jump into Dungeons and Dragons real quick so we can start covering some of the news. There was a change made to the D&D Beyond app. Have you did either of you hear about this? Did you have a chance to take a look at it? Because I did not. I have not gotten a chance to take a look at it uh, from my understanding. Uh, in the past, if you had had the app, you had kind of one that had the books and one that kind of had the characters, and now they'll be together in one spot. So I've, that was kind of my hang up before of getting into it and using it because right, I was trying right. to bounce back and forth between two apps. So having the home be one place, I think, will help. Uh, the big thing that I like about it is being able to download it um, and have it on the go. So that way, uh, I don't know, somebody wants to actually go camping. I have something to do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no kidding. It's um, the character sheet works great. Does it? <clears throat> excuse me. Does it have um, a rolling yeah. rolling function? Yep. Like I have Rooster pulled up right now, and I can roll an attack roll, and awesome. it took it took no time at all. Like on like That's obviously, great. I'd rather roll the dice, but the fact that it's here, I think it's great for spells. My only issue is that you have to download the source book onto the device before you can access any of the rules oh gotcha and that's gonna take up some space it takes up some space and it's also an unfortunate thing where it's like i mean it's great to hey cat it's great to download like nolan was saying because you know i i want to hit the road and it's like well i'm not doing anything right now or i'm stuck in the car while someone else drives i can at least read the dmg why not so sure, for this, you yeah. have to, like, if I just wanted to look up how the spell telekinesis works, got to download the player's handbook. Oh, gotcha. So that it doesn't have a breakout for that spell. No. And so, like, a, an online mode, I think, would be handy. But I also understand that they just combined two apps into one. 
Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be some refinement to it. So, well, that's cool, though, because I, I, I know that was an issue before. Like we would have uh, the D&D Beyond app open on one side or like on a mobile device and then D&D Beyond open on a computer so we can actually yeah. see what's going on. So, yeah, I'm glad that they've done that. I shouldn't say on a computer. I should say in a browser because I would have like my browser pulled up on my iPad and then access D&D Beyond through my phone. And my phone's like maybe three years old. Because I bought it uh, later on when it was on sale after the phone I was using started to break. Um, it's like a Motorola, and it runs just fine. Maybe a little slow, but I'm sure that some oh. with like an iPhone or a new Samsung Galaxy would. I'm. I think it would just be very fast because it's working on my yeah. older phone, and it works great. I feel like this cat is looking at me like she wants to chomp my head. And she does she's, look like she's standing on your shoulder. She well, she will probably in just a second. She's on the back of the chair. She has been all over me all morning. And and I and typically I've I've discovered in the last month that I've had to throw her out of the office when I when we do record because this is what happens. She crawls up here and wants to be all over me. So which is ridiculous because she's not my cat. She's my wife's cat. And she does not like my wife. She's always with me. She's gonna hate hearing that, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, other news from D&D, there wasn't any product release or any product updates, but they did recently launch a development blog. And I had a chance to kind of look at that this morning. Did either of you take a look at this? Hmm. I, th I thought it was not, really no. interesting. It kind of goes into some detail. Like it, it, it's a way to look behind the scenes, so to speak, like to see exactly what goes into the creation of a book. And they talk about how like you know they they get the teams together they pitch ideas like i think it's quarterly they pitch ideas and if an idea sounds good they assign a team to work on that idea to develop it further so they could review it uh they talk about how you know it takes 12 to 24 months to create a dnd book from start to finish they talk about how they have multiple projects that they have worked on all the way to the finish line but never brought to press which is great because that means wow. if they do have ideas that they need to access, they can pull those and say, hey, we have this. Let's grab that one. Um, and then they just kind of went into like a little bit of like, here's what's going to be happening this summer. Like they've got uh, a couple of books. Obviously, Ravenloft is coming out in a couple weeks. Then they had uh, a campaign storybook scheduled for this summer, a source book. And then another sounds like a campaign storybook scheduled for this fall, which seems about, ow, sorry, the cat is clawing me, which seems about right uh, for their timing. But they just kind of go into some of that detail of, of what it is that the development team goes through as they create books. They did say that the idea is that they want to do these blog posts every six weeks, but they can't guarantee that that's going to happen. Um, that is the idea right now. Um, I, I like it. I thought it was cool that they, they did this because it does give fans and, and players a chance to see what does go on behind the screens because sometimes we just don't know. Yeah, I think, uh, I think most people, I mean, it's not anything I'd ever look at or have an understanding of or as an impatient player, just being like, well, why isn't there another book? Right. Yeah. That is all the news I saw for D&D. Did either of you see anything else? No, I think I was just getting ready for the next book. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Von Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Really pretty excited for that one. I'm very excited. I love Ravenloft. Uh, I think it's going to be a fascinating book. Uh, and I really like the idea, like we talked about last week, about the Adventure League storyline being in Ravenloft. So it actually gives us a reason to have Von Richten so we can pull that information into our Adventure League games. Uh, and it gives us, like we were talking about um, 
my son and I were discussing games this week, early this week, and we were talking about my frustrations with $50 books. And I've told this to both of you before. I'm tired of every time D&D puts anything out, it's a $50 book. And I wish they'd go back to releasing, you know, 10 and $20 books, modules, softcover books. In fact, I don't know if I mentioned this last week. I picked up a couple of uh, books for They Came From Beneath the Sea. And these were premium quality soft cover books that were $19. And it comes with like pre-made characters and adventure, things like that. And I thought, that's great. That's the kind of stuff that I think D&D should be capitalizing on because as we're waiting for, can it, anyway, I, I'm sorry, I digress because we've talked about this before. Uh, what it kind of did hit me though, is that's Adventure League. You know, when we want to pick up a module, that's Adventure League. You can go. Well, and I think it depends on how you hours. use it too, right? Like, right. realistically, how long is a game supposed to last from levels one to twelve? If I pick up, you know, Storm King's Thunder, and we play it from start to finish, is it six months? Is it four months? Is it two years? Like, you know. So I think that's that's kind of where it is. Of if, if you're a collector and have it, but it's like, okay, let's go back and play the games we've bought and haven't finished. We probably have three years worth of stuff, so we don't. That's, you know, we don't have to buy one that's $50 every time because we don't need another book. <laughs> right. Because we still got every campaign ever to finish. We finished what, two? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, it, and I get frustrated because like I was thinking this week because, you know, we, uh, as you and I, have, as, as the three of us have talked, I'm creating a, a character for my friend Mary so we can hopefully bring her into our Scarlands game. And uh, one of the things that hit me is Nolan and I were talking about, cause I think we're going to make a Druid and he was suggesting a, a certain type of Druid. And I went to get into D and D beyond was trying to put it together. And I'm like, Oh, I apparently don't have that book. So I don't even remember which book it is. So I'll have to go back and look at that. And it, it's one of those things where like, I loved the cover. I love the cover for Von Richten's guide to Ravenloft. And I'm going to purchase it because Halen has already got it set aside for me. This may be the last physical book I pur purchase, and I may go the route that Nolan's going now and use D&D Beyond because it doesn't make sense to not be able to have that. It doesn't make sense to have the book and not be able to use it when I need to in D&D Beyond when I'm creating a character. If I want to use it, I think you can like go to the marketplace and pick things up like kind of uh, a la carte, if you will. And I... <sighs> I'm not going to pay twice for a book. I'm just not going to do it. So yeah, I may you? be going to purchasing and, and I still like, at least when I purchase a PDF from like Onyx path or free league or whomever, I'm getting a PDF and I can print it. I can do whatever I want with it. Right. My, I still have the hang up that with D and D beyond, even if I download the book, I don't actually have a PDF version of it. I have whatever their e-reader proprietary thing is, and I cannot keep that book. If D and D beyond closes, that book is gone. And that's yeah. some of my frustration with it. Um, but I may be getting over that frustration quickly because I need access to the tools. I can't always depend on Nolan to content share because he's been gracious about it, you know, and, and it's been awesome, but I can't always depend on it. What if I need a campaign and Nolan, I don't know why this would happen, but what if I'm in a campaign and Nolan's not there and he isn't content sharing? Like I said, I can't imagine that happening, but. It just depends on where you're playing, right? If we're playing at the table, you don't need it. If you're playing online, you don't need physical books. So, yeah, right. I think the greatest trick that D and D Beyond has played is making people think that they are more official than they really are. Like they're Elaborate. not wizards of the they're not wizards of the coast. Yes, you're absolutely right. Or even like related, you know, if someone just had a good idea, 
to put all their source books online and convince Wizards of the Coast that they were the best to do it. And yeah. it's why you'll see a lot of discussions on Reddit and forums where people are just like, a physical copy should come with a D&D Beyond code because they don't, they don't know that D&D Beyond is a separate company. And I think Wizards of the Coast charges fifty dollars because they can. Like, yeah, absolutely. People, people are gonna buy it. They got to. This is the premier right. tabletop RPG. Yeah, absolutely, and it it goes right to magic. I mean, when they put out a, uh, you know, these these sets like Modern Masters or Time Spiral uh, Remastered, they know that the initial price is gonna be what it is, the MSRP, and they know that they can short stack that that print run and suddenly now that you know people are selling it for way more than what it was originally intended and people will buy it and we're in a situation now where although they did loosen some of the in-store restrictions not for the uh, uh north america but they have released released some of them and it, it looks like north america will be following soon that paper magic is not doing as well so to speak because there's no there's no big tournaments there's no in-store play or anything like that yet they're still releasing yeah. master sets and they're still selling out so people will buy it and it goes right back to dungeons and dragons people will buy it they're going to release these 50 dollars books people like me who although i've been a lot better about it i haven't been as completionist will go and buy the book yeah usually they're great books usually yeah usually, usually they're, they're great books i mean the binding is usually very good um there's usually a lot of content i mean some Sometimes there's not, Sometimes but like the I is a terrible, but <laughs> I, I have owned three players handbooks and I have given two of them away to people just cause like they're, why not? More people should be involved. I've never had one fall apart. And, and there I've have gotten been cases, one almost. I have heard yeah. of cases where the falling apart and wizards is prompt to replace it. I mean, you yeah. write them, you take a picture of it. Like I've, there was, I guess there was a, uh, a print run where some of the books were printed upside down. Like you'd open it up and the book is upside down and wizards <laughs> like, yeah, no problem. Send us a picture. Here you go. Here's a new copy. Yeah. I mean, I watch books get destroyed weekly at my job. Yeah, I'm sure you mm -hmm. do. Yeah. Like a hefty book. Like it's just going to tear itself apart from the binding. The moment someone opens it up vertically, I've never seen a wizard of the coast book do that. Like it's always, at least you're getting your money's worth. But it's hard. I agree. I agree. But I, I go right back to, though, that I'm tired of always having to pay $50 for a book. And it's not just Wizards yeah. of the Coast. I mean, a lot of companies, if you're going to buy the core book, you're typically spending $50. And it used to be, I think, $29.95 was the, oh, my gosh, it's so much money. And now it's, of course, we're bitching about 50 Soon it'll be 100 and we'll be bitching about that. Anyway, getting all our games at drive through RPG. Exactly, which is a fantastic site. Um, so anyway, I do have a link to the development blog if you guys want to check that out. I also have a link to the uh, article that was released about the D&D Beyond app if you want to check that out as well. Those are both in the show notes. Let's hop over to Onyx Path real quick. Not a whole lot going on over there. The Kickstarter for Trinity, Trinity Continuum Adventure, I believe, has ended far exceeding their original goal. Onyx Pass said they are trying to decide which of the two possibilities will be, or which of the two possibilities their next project will be. That's the words I was looking for. Those possibilities are Squeaks in the Dark for Pugmire and Exalted Essence. 
not these are not games that either of us play so uh don't know a whole lot about them i know that they are very popular so if you're a fan of those games be sure to keep an eye out we will let you know when those come to kickstarter i did didn't see any other real news for onyx path several projects are moving through the process and i know several projects are getting ready to ship speaking of ship nolan what's going on with tolis I uh, just got notes that their uh, print for their players campaign guide uh, went through. So I got to put that in. Uh, let's see here. What do I do with it? So did you get the PDF? Because I thought that's what it looked like. It said that you could get the PDF now. Yeah. And they've had a PDF on it uh, out for a little bit. Uh, just kind of a quick overview of it. And then this here is just a little hand copy uh, that came with their Kickstarter. Let's see here. What else did they say? They did give a little baby update of what was going on. Uh, I was trying to figure out where that went. I don't know. I lost it. Things are shipping to the warehouse and they're getting ready to go out. This is what I took out of that note. And usually that's a couple of weeks. They get to the warehouse and they have to, because I mean, you're talking pallets full of books and they have to package those up. And so that, that usually takes three to four weeks to get through all that. So I think you're probably looking at end of May, mid-June. Yeah, uh, there's got a, f a few photos for it, which isn't, I don't know, it's it's cool. It's nice having the PDF, like you said, as well, just because you can yeah. reprint them. Because this here has like, it uh, has a table of contents, has an introduction, does have a, a map for the players. So each person could have it with a little ledger of saying where stuff is at. Uh, and then also has a character sheet inside the book um, that's kind of on a left page, right page, so you can open up and have it. So it really is kind of just like a little mini journal. Um, Let's see. And what was the last oh, thing? Oh, here she comes. <laughs> uh, the PDF of Tolus Money Cook City by the Spire is just about ready to fulfill as well. Generating and proofing literally thousands of hyperlinks and bookmarks and two versions of the book has been a, another gargantuan test, but highly use, uh, but high usability has been a hallmark of Tolus since the original edition. So it's all been worth it. Look for fulfillment of the PDF to begin in a matter of days. And this was from the 23rd. That's awesome. So you should have the, that PDF very soon. Yep. Uh, first, uh, Tullus Money Cook City by the Spires has cleared production. It's now in transit to the warehouse. Um, we expect this first wave to reach our North American warehouse next week. It will begin. It will take a week or so or longer to get them in the UK or Australia warehouse. As soon as we have them, we begin fulfillment. So, yeah, we're into next few weeks should be holding something. That's awesome. I do know that this, that shipping to those those overseas warehouses takes forever. In fact, I mean, Hunters Entertainment just sent out an update for Altered Carbon that said that Pallets Books just arrived this week in Greece. Goodness, which, yeah. yeah. That's a long time. And of course, COVID and all the variations have slowed everything down, uh, which, yeah, it's been interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's the little things that we didn't think we're going to happen when a global pandemic right. everyone was concerned about staying healthy as they should be but then you got to deal with someone's got to get books from tennessee to wyoming and sometimes that just doesn't happen anymore yeah exactly so, well cool Stay hopefully we there. see you soon 
let's jump over to War Chief Gaming. This is going to be a new one for us, although we did talk a bit about it, about, about, about it, about it last week. Um, Zach, I'm going to turn this one over to you because this is the Chris Medson of World of Warcraft fame. Uh, he has formed his own uh, gaming company called War Chief Gaming, along with his partner, Mark Gilmartin. Uh, they formed this as a tabletop RPG club in Orange County, but they're game designers, so they eventually led them to creating their own worlds. And so, Zach, what can you tell us about Aurora... Ouroboros. Yeah, I'm going to stop. <laughs> Coils I've like eight different ways. Ouroboros? My favorite is the Resident Evil find Ouroboros. Fair enough. Yeah, Chris Metzen was uh, a writer for a lot of Blizzard's um, I'd say original work, but like they only have so much, but I think his major one was like World of Warcraft, and then he's he did thrall. some work. Yeah, yeah and then he did some work on uh, um, Starcraft, and I think a little bit of Diablo. But I don't know. I think it's you taking a look at the video. Did you read any of the Kickstarter at all to see what this is about? Yeah, I have the Kickstarter showed up. It's it seems to be like. I describe it as like a world of adventure. Like it seems very well designed to be like, hey, go out and do stuff. And is this using 5e rules? Yep, it's fifth edition rule set. There's no I don't think there's new rules. I think it is a source book with yeah, his own original um monsters and races and a few classes, I believe. Yeah, five races, four subclasses, some new spells. Um and then uh, over 100 pages of lore is in the major book. Uh, you know, I, I will say, uh, looking through the Kickstarter, um, if you if you ever take want to take a look at a Kickstarter that's designed by people who have been in the business of getting things to people, right? Like from uh, they've sold collector's editions of you know for hundreds of dollars in, for miniature pets, right? For World of Warcraft. Um, the the maps the books the that kind of stuff it has a lot of that feel and the branding and 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 like Zach was saying very complete as far as the world the maps are some of the better and more enjoyable pleasant to look at maps I've seen as far as from a functionality standpoint I don't know but just from the the look of like wow you you could frame that and put it on your wall and people are like what the hell is that that's really cool um, the the classes that are added. Uh, have kind of that feel of a mix between interesting and cute um which i it kind of felt not necessarily world of warcraft but sort of um there's like a there's like the geico lizard <laughs> which is like a little salamander yeah uh, I, um yeah i like the i can only describe them as fish people but they look great yeah it's like murlocs grew up at sad that's what it looks like yeah yeah it's sad um i'm I'm curious about the the races but yeah they they are the classes uh there is uh, like a wild keeper as a fighter subclass a wraith blade is a rogue subclass soul eater is a warlock subclass way of eminence is a monk subclass so i'm always curious to see people's takes on those um but when you look at the places the locations they do look like uh stylized art that you would expect in a world of warcraft or starcraft style uh book on it the the stretch goals on this here i was really again another thing of like it's designed to make me want it is how i took it um they the new the dice look, 
they got a wormwood um gaming to do like a roll uh, a dice box they partnered with them even though like the the premium character sheets are very i mean they're they're pretty i again functional wise you know i've never been a fan of stuff that like shrinks it down to have more art to do any of that kind of stuff because for me at the end of the day it's it's going to be a crumpled piece of paper and it breaks my heart to destroy them but again again you look at it you're like that's really pretty i i, I think i could probably need that um and then the, from the marketing standpoint again very rarely do i see them start to fill in with stretch goals uh, or add-ons of miniatures and for me that was very much a, a not a red flag but just like you know these guys know what sells people like knickknacks they like trinkets i'll have my little frosty mount or my little my extra mount that i paid an extra 40 dollars for in game you know it's it's all about the add-ons and they just straight up killed it for that side of things like you know and the miniatures look good like i'm looking at Stagoth, i'm looking at the night paladin fang wraith and gang runner the miniatures look great now i will tell you as a miniature painter these are the most frustrating types of miniatures to paint because they're all really? one piece and to get that uh, really deep detail you need those pieces to be able to come off and this is where games workshop simply just rules the day when it comes to this stuff because they understand that even plastic miniatures need to come in pieces so you can paint them appropriately but still these look awesome well and the thing i like about it is the uh they're the you're getting the program to 3d print them and it really kind of went into that line of um you know SEL files. I just saw that. I'm sorry. At you yeah, the, the ability to mass produce them on your own. It's like having the PDF, right? You can you can make as much as you want if you have the stuff set up for it or know somebody that can. Now I'm not stuck to buying, well, you guys are fighting an undead army, and here is, you know, I went and bought three packs of skeleton minions or whatever. You know, like having that control in your hand to print and make as much as you want. I really liked uh, a little bit further down in that there, they've got the city map posters and just the, again, Great. beautiful, 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 the way it's done, the way it's laid out. It has enough intrigue and, and curiosity to me to be, I, I really wasn't interested in this game very much until I started seeing a lot of the knickknacks that come with it. Um, and it's not anything about really playing the game other than like, if you put this kind of time, effort and detail into a map, it makes me really curious about what you've done with the world because you can't you can't get that level of detail i don't feel unless you've lived there i guess is kind of a weird way of putting it but it reminds me of like everquest or something like that like each building has a person with an npc and 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 you yeah. it allows you to live in that world and so it made me more curious about it i you know a lot of the stuff i wouldn't necessarily use um i i've never been a big fan of the coin side of things I lose enough stuff as I is as it is, but yeah, really, really well put together Kickstarter. Yeah, I, I mean, I tried coins. using, I tried what using coins as like bardic inspiration, and then one time I threw one at Nolan while he wasn't paying attention, and I was like, I almost put a hole in his head. Like, that's how you pay attention. <laughs> pay attention all right so dude to get into this kickstarter you can obviously do the ten dollars just because you like them uh 25 dollars will get you the digital bundle which is the pdf copy of the world book law brand source or the world book law brand source book as well as a pdf of the player's guide a short form book focusing solely on the rules players need at the table uh, for 50 dollars, you're going to get the hardcover source book and pdfs uh, then it goes on from like seventy-five dollars up to one hundred and twenty-five dollars. The maximum you can do is two hundred, and they've got 
close to 2,000 people who have bought in at the $200 level. And this includes the collector's edition hardcover slipcase. And Nolan mentioned they, that they know collector's editions, and they do. If you look at the collector's edition, the picture they have of it, uh, the, you know, obviously it's a mock-up, but it looks great. You get the collection edition source book, Under the Sky or Under the Sun by Mickey Nielsen, set of premium character sheets, Ouroboros dice set, uh, abilities and item card deck, city map poster pack, PDF sourcebook and PDF player's guide, name printed in the backer credits, GM screen and fold-out world map. So that's $200. Obviously, you know, shipping, we have no idea because that'll be later. And the add-ons that Nolan was talking about, like the the, the minis and things like that. And, and that's the other thing to keep in mind is you cannot get these add-ons unless you're part of the Kickstarter. I mean, once the Kickstarter is over, the add-ons typically go away because these are Kickstarter exclusives. So that's something if you want, you're going to have to keep that in mind. But you could easily buy, you know, the $50 level and throw in a couple of add-ons, still spend 100 bucks, and be getting like a die set, uh, a pack of uh, the STL files to be printing and the source book. So, yeah, it, it looks great. It absolutely does. The mock-up they've done is fantastic. I did watch the video. The video is well done. Um, and I'm sitting here watching the ticker just scroll up. They're currently, yeah. the initial ask was $50,000. They are at $818,464 with 6, close to 6,500 people backing it in 26 days to go. Yeah. So this is going to happen. This is going to fund. Um, and I cannot imagine that they're going to deliver. Yeah, I I'm think, curious to see their subclasses, and I think that was part I'm most excited about of, again, creating classes for an MMO, if any of that carries over from a standpoint of fun to play or how uh, how they're visualized in the world. Um, like Ari Salvatore has a background in being a fencing fanatic, and you can feel that play out through his combat, and that's what he's really yeah. talented with. So seeing somebody, you know, when I see a Wraith Blade, like, you know, I all of a sudden I start thinking about, like, the the potential, and because of who it is, I start to think about it in a video game sense, and, like, I imagine, like, teleporting or spirits, or, like, it gets the, the cog turning of getting me kind of excited about it. So. Yeah. I also think this is going to determine what a lot of people from Blizzard decide to do with their time because what I we don't know what's going on but I mean the director of Overwatch just basically left in the middle of Overwatch 2 and we don't know why his name's Jeff Kaplan I believe you mm -hmm. know um, David Brevik the guy that created Diablo he had to leave a little bit ago and he's making his own video games, I think just by himself now. Though maybe he's a part of a, a company, but he's making games that he wants to make. I think these guys being able to look at Chris Metzen and be like, this guy asked for $50,000 and almost got a million. And I'm, we're not going to lie, we're talking about him because he worked on World of Warcraft and StarCraft. Yes. And I think... I think what Jeff Kaplan does with his time, he can look at this and be like, I don't, I don't have to go make another video game. No, and I think we're seeing, I mean, I don't want to say it's a renaissance period for tabletop RPGs, but it, I mean, it really kind of is. I mean, tabletop RPGs are huge right now. And I think, you know, what these game designers who rode the wave of MMOs and stuff are seeing, 
I mean, let's face it, you probably got into creating MMOs because at one time you were that person who sat in your mom and dad's basement and played D&D, right? You played those role-playing games. That's one of the reasons why you probably got into game design. And, and to see these guys be able to take, I hate to say this, but it's almost as if Critical Role was the kicking off point for a lot of this stuff because now these guys are seeing what Critical Role did, how popular tabletop RPGs are, and the fact that Matt Mercer created Tal'Darai and, you know, his whole world and did so well with it that they're like, you know what? We have worlds too. Why aren't we putting them out there? And shit, people know who we are. Let's write our name and let's put a game out. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's from a, it's, got to be monumentally easier for somebody like that who has that to sit down and get it out on a piece of paper and go that way versus trying to design a world and then find people to program it to audit it to make it like you know it, tabletops you know you're creating another mmo is, is all it is and you're inviting people to play in your mmo without actually being online so these yeah. are these are the things that I'm curious to see as you said those creative developers of like is this would have happened if we would have saw warcraft 2 right or world of warcraft 2 like you know i had this idea of the story but you know ea bought out you know the rights to bioware and they went and did their own thing like well we had this idea and it was going to go this way but now we yeah. just put it down in this book so you guys can play it and that's how it's going to get to the world yeah like we don't know what jeff kaplan's going to do but maybe he doesn't need to make a video game yeah. right maybe he can he can maybe he can go to some indie um artists and be like hey i want to make a two-hour animated movie and i know that i can go to kickstarter and i can get funded can get just funded. by saying i'm the guy that i'm the guy that made overwatch right look at chris metzen yep yep so i'm excited i i i am perfectly cool with these these creative types that we are so used to from other games from computer games from video games stepping into the tabletop rpg realm and using their skill set to bring tabletop games to life so i i'm i'm all for it uh let's jump to our topic of the night because i did not find anything else i checked chaosium i checked modifius um i checked some of the other gaming companies i didn't see a whole lot of news out there period so we're going to go ahead and jump into our topic of the night which we kind of talked about this last week i think the three of us all got excited about it which is why we decided to do it this week and that is the runes of simbarum uh from uh free league what was that zach I'm very excited. <laughs> Good. Uh, from Free League Publishing. Uh, this is the Runes of Simbarum, the Promised Land for 5e. Now, I did, we, like I said, we decided we wanted to do a little bit of a deep dive. As we were talking about it last week, as soon as we wrapped up our show, I went ahead and reached out to Free League and, and just said, hey, we'd love to talk about your game on our show. Is there anything you can send us so that we can uh, talk knowledgeably about it? And Matthias Johnson Hawk, if I'm saying it correctly, I think I am. Uh, responded rather quickly saying that he's happy that we're excited for the runes of Simbrum for 5e, but as of right now, there's nothing that they can give us that we can't already access, and that is the free copy of the test of runes of Simbrum on Drive Through RPG. I do have a link in the show note for you to check that out. There are several versions of it, so keep that in mind. Uh, and I do believe we're all looking at version 2.01. Uh, I hope anyway. <laughs> uh, so that's what we did. We went to drive through RPG. We grabbed the copy of it and, and it is indeed free. Uh, before we dive into this book, I do want to explain what Simbarum is. 
Uh, and also I wanted to mention that Matthias is like one of the lead writers on Simbrum. So he knows this system. He knows the game very, very well. Uh, so this is directly from Free League's website. It says, Simbrum is a fantasy tabletop RPG often described as dark, gritty, and deadly. It was first released in Swedish in 2014, then translated into English for worldwide, worldwide release in 2016. Since then, the game has captured the imagination of an ever-growing number of gamers, and today the game line encompasses a dozen hardcover books, along with several support products in the forms of card sets, maps, and more. The Simbrum rule set is a D20 roll under fully player facing system designed to be quick, punishing and easy to get into. Also, it is highly flexible and modular. So those who want to want more complexity are often numerous optional rules or can easily introduce their own house rules. The game is also flexible when it comes to what types of games it facilitates action and or intrigue one shot scenarios and or long adventure campaigns, serious stories and or furious fun. However, one can argue that the flagship of Simbrum is the acclaimed six-part adventure chronicle, The Throne of Thorns. Each of the standalone but interlinked episodes not only offer a massive adventure, they also introduce new lore, setting information, equipment, ability, and optional rules. Now that is pulled directly from their website, and obviously that's talking about the original Simbrum, and this with the uh, Runes of Simbrum Promised Land, that updates the game to 5e, which... Again, as we've mentioned so many times, what better way to introduce a game to somebody than letting them know you already know the rules? So, Zach, you're pretty excited about this game, so I'm going to let Very you excited. start with Simbrum. Tell us, I, I figure we can just kind of go through the book. I know it's only like 50 pages that we can talk about before it gets into the adventure, but tell us what, what your initial first thoughts are when you first glance through this book. Uh, the 5e version or the the uh, original? You can do a little bit of both, but specifically, let's talk about okay. the 5e version. Okay. Um, I think the big one is that I I was very intrigued, so I did a pretty deep dive, um, and I was able to find on Drive Through RPG the uh, Simbroom original, like uh, RPG. I think they're trying very, very hard to turn the original creations that they made and transform them over into 5th edition. That's got to be a good thing. I I think so. Um, and I think a lot of it, they're not going to have to work very hard. Like I think a lot of the classes like Barbarian, um, Simbaroom RPG had like versions that you could create of that. And so I think I think they're going to have an easy time doing it, but I think magic is going to be the real big difference because the way magic works, it, it doesn't have spell slots. You can just keep casting spells. Now, did they change that for 5e, though, and make it so it's spell slots? Nope. The way it works uh -huh. is that every time you cast a spell, your corruption goes up. Right. And corruption's a big deal in the game. And corruption's a big deal. And so I think it's like twice your spellcasting modifier and your something else, maybe your proficiency modifier. Think, and that's the amount of that's the amount of corruption that you can take. So if you can take like four things of corruption, you can cast a spell maybe once. And every time you go above your corruption, like there's a chance that something really bad happens. And so I like I think it's going to be very fun. I like the idea of trying to like gamble, right? 
Like, I cast a second level spell, I gotta roll 2d4, and that's how much corruption I get. I can only handle 12 corruption. Yeah. It's like, if I do, if I roll bad, I might get two right. spells. Yeah, if you roll double I'm, fours, you're gonna be like, Ugh. Yeah, you're screwed. And so I think... I think that's gonna be fun, because I don't mind spell slots, but I wish that different spellcasters used different versions in 5th edition, and so I like the idea of it just being like, hey man, magic's powerful. Uh, use it at your own risk. I, I would agree. Um, Nolan, what was your first thoughts when you looked through this? Uh, similar in line of just the intrigue. Uh, again, we've kind of proven over and over in this that we're a big fan of the world trying to destroy the players um and that's very much this game uh, as talked on a little bit of the corruption uh the dark forest i like the idea too of you kind of have this battle between shadow and corruption ever kind of gnawing at you while you play through the game uh and then the additional races uh and i really like the class system um a big thing for me with the class system and that stood out most for me was is you pick your path at level one when you pick the class that you want to play. I always thought it was really weird to be uh, first and second level monk and then third level all of a sudden decide that you're going to be summoning fire whips because you remembered finally your monastery training because you're four levels deep in a dungeon. Um, having some of that stuff just awaken for some classes makes sense, but for a lot more for the, the martial training or the monk one really threw me off with that one. Like all of a sudden you remembered your training and now you know how to trip people better because you haven't, you know, you haven't done that before. So, um, I like taking the pass very early and kind of setting that up. Uh, the races I really enjoyed. I like that each one had their own hit dice. Uh, so you could choose to use that instead of the class hit die which I think makes sense, right? So I'm a Goliath wizard, um, and all of a sudden I'm less hardy because I like books. You know, that that was always kind yeah. of an interesting thing to me. So uh, I, f I, I don't know. The, in, the, in the free thing, they give you goblins, and reading through the goblins, uh, I really enjoy them. They're very more curious. Um, I didn't get the oogie-boogie, you know, uh, Tolkien uh, style goblin. This here kind of reminded me more of uh, Sleeping Beauty or Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs style got like they're they're workers, uh, and that's what they're used for. I mean, they've got a pretty bad rep, but they are hardworking. Uh, they're uh, the crafters. They have some pretty cool survival instincts. Um, everybody hates them. Uh, so you have disadvantage on Christmas checks to deal with other races. But if you're dealing with other goblins, uh, you get advantage with them, so they like their own kind. I don't know. It was it was cool. It was neat reading through uh, how that goes. I like that each race has its own background because I think races are still very much important uh, in this world of opportunities that you get. Um, and then having the barbarian be a subclass of humans and having that kind of tension between people who live in the city and people who live in the wild, I thought was, again, neat. It, it lends to it being a darker, grittier world. Uh, just kind of right out of the gate. Um, yeah, uh, and then like Zach said, I really like the the spell class system. You do have a maximum level that you can cast at certain levels. You are punished for casting spells outside of uh, your favorite spells, which I thought was really cool. 
Um, I, I really enjoy the favorite spell system where you know a couple spells and that's your bread and butter. So you aren't penalized for doing it, but when you want to reach out and start, uh, pulling on that corruption, and that's very much what they say, uh, the world gets very pissed off when the world's out of balance. And, uh, it reminds me a lot of like the, uh, world of darkness style, uh, from that point where they're, they're messing with the they're altering reality, right? And it causes the rifts and the tears. And this is what this is. For Nature. Sure, like a mage. Yeah. Yes. That's what I was thinking of. Um, by your, you're messing with balance. You're pulling the moisture out of that tree to cause your ice spell or whatever. Nature gets pissed off. Right. I think so. Also, just, I think my favorite thing is that when you look at like the rogue, their version of the rogue, you don't need finesse weapons. And I, this is going to sound like a real weird complaint, but I don't see the difference between hitting someone, stabbing someone in the back with a knife and hitting someone in the back with an axe. Like That's fair. I, I do think some of that stuff is, well, that's just a semantics thing there. Uh, but but it was I, like all, that. I you, think you, it, you sneak through the defenses and hit them, you know, where I, it hurts. And a lung's a lung. It doesn't matter how you get there. I know. It's like, I I understand that like, I understand that, but I want to I want to worship either Gork or Mork, I don't know which one, who is cunningly brutal and one who is brutally cunning. Like and you just mixed in Warhammer. I know, but like I, we don't know which is which, but like I don't know, create a create a an orc subclass where it's like, yeah, I'm going to hit this guy with a great axe, but he wasn't looking, so I get sneak attack. Do you get advantage? Stop it. <laughs> yeah, like I, I so, like the I, I like the idea. I, I think it's. I I do like uh, the the subclass side of things too, just from a standpoint that uh, you know, again, scoundrel taking off, uh, what you can do. They kind of show the explorer, which really sounded like the the scout or their version of a ranger. I believe there is a hunter in the game that screams more ranger, but they didn't have that as a, a choice uh, in the free preview. Um, but the Explorer then gets Monster Hunter, Wilderness Master, which I thought was really cool. And then I like that they added specialties later in the game. And I can see that um, it feels like a feat built into the class. Uh, mm -hmm. So like level six, you get to choose one of the following specialties, Marksman, Monster Lore, or Sixth Sense. Um, and uh, <laughs> at Marksman, now you can add your backstab damage to ranged weapon attacks. Yeah. Uh, which... I, yeah, it, it brings in, if you were a rogue in 5e, uh, not doing a short bow is kind of, you know, I mean, it, it's the safest, smartest way to pull off your sneak attacks. You don't need to be in yeah. melee. You can just look around for anybody that's engaged and just, you know, try and kill still your whole party of like, oh, last hit's mine because you were fighting that guy. So it's really cool. The magic system's really cool. The, the, I don't know. I like it. I really like the layout. And the world is just, it's just dripping with atmosphere. Like this idea of like, one, having elves be nasty. You know, like, like these are magical creatures and they don't think like humans. Well, like, they're, yeah, and like they're very, they're very pissed off. Yeah, they're, they're very mad, upset. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're, they're, very nature, they're nature spirits and humans do not belong here. And just like... I like the idea of like arch trolls, trolls that have been around for so long that now they no longer like think in terms of like life and death. 
and they're just asking people riddles and you have ogres which are just things that come out of the forest fully grown and they're not heinous or evil like you know like a fifth edition ogre is just a monster and these ogres are coming out and just like hey like i can speak human tongue and i was born maybe five minutes ago i don't know is it a human that got lost in the forest is it a nature spirit you know is this what goblins turn into if they don't get enslaved like it's just dripping with atmosphere and the art is fantastic that's actually one of the first things i noticed when i opened this book the art as soon as you look at this book and we kind of talked about that nolan actually made a comment last week when he says wow the art is awesome um martin grip does the artwork for this book and holy shit I mean, I was absolutely as I as I rolled through this PDF and I thumbed through it and I looked at it, I, I actually stopped reading because I was just so enamored by the artwork. He does such an amazing job with this book. It looks incredible. The layout is also I mean, I know this is a free PDF, but they didn't skimp on this at all. They made sure to take the time to lay this out so that you can look at it and appreciate the quality of this product. I mean, even from the runes on the edge of the pages. It looks incredible. Um, some of the things I want to scroll through here. Give me just a second. And the artist's name was Martin Grip. Yeah, Martin Grip. If you look up his artwork, uh, I did that last night because I was so curious. Uh, I, I, he's got some incredible artwork. He's actually one of the lead artists on the One Ring that Free League did that I backed. And as soon as I saw the Fantastic. One Ring... Yeah, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, that's why. Because I, I kept telling Shri last night, I'm like, I recognize this artwork and I don't know why. Now I know. So a couple things that hit me in chapter two, we get into some of the new rules, right? And I loved the idea of shadow, how every creature lives with shadow. And I love the idea of corruption and how corruption does affect, like, like Zach was saying about magic. The other thing that really struck me is how rest works how short and long rests work because that was completely different and i'm and i'm trying to yeah here it is so you have a short rest which we're all used to a short rest it requires one hour of light effort no more than sitting and talking tending to wounds and the like during a short rest you can spend hit dice to recover hit points after completing a short rest you reduce your temporary corruption by your proficiency bonus you can spend a hit die in order to reduce your temporary corruption by by your proficiency proficiency bonus again um, you can continue to do this as long as you have hit dice to spend and temporary corruption to reduce. A long rest, uh, which requires around eight hours, six of which must be spent, and they specify six of which must be spent sleeping and the others two in light activity, such as being on watch, reading, or conversing with others. How often do we take a long rest and we're like, okay, well, I take the first watch, I take the second, I take the third. And when you actually do the math, it's like three to four hours per rest, right? Yeah. So at the end of a long rest, you regain hit points equal to your hit die, e.g. E 8 for D8 hit dice, uh, plus your constitution modifier, reduce your temporary corruption by twice your proficiency bonus. You can spend hit dice to recover more hit points or, or reduce temporary corruption. So you don't get all your hit points back at a long rest. And I thought I, I read that and I had to read that like three times. I'm like, am I reading this correctly? Uh, and then there's an extended rest, which requires at least 24 hours in a safe place. Sorry, this cat is driving me crazy. Um, in a safe place where you can sleep, relax, and tend to your wounds without the threat of interruption. At the end of the extended rest, you gain all of your hit points and hit dice, reduce your temporary corruption to zero, 
Uh, extended rests often mark the end of an adventure or at least a significant break in action. So that would be what we normally use as a long rest in D&D. And yeah. how often do our long rests get interrupted with something? Yeah, it's it's kind of the idea that you're not uh, you're not getting a long rest outside of a town or you're, some you're sort of village. Yeah. Yep, you got to find a, a farmstead where you can like hang out in the barn for twenty four hours. Right. Yep, you're not doing it in the middle of a dungeon. You're not doing it, you know, anything like that. It's either quick pat yourself up, grab a breather, we press on, or hold up. I need like three, four hours of sleep, uh, and we got to move. It's not it, and I think that leads to the world being more just dangerous and difficult. And you don't overextend your stuff. It's never just a, well, all right, well, that was fun. On to the next Goblin Town or whatever. You just keep rolling. You really got to kind of space and spread and take your time with it. You know, we talk often about the scarred lands and how the scarred lands, you know, the land itself, the, the, the realm or the setting itself is very dangerous, right? It's more dangerous than what your D, your typical D&D setting is. This is like scarred lands turned up to 12, you know, screw 11. We're just going to go straight to 12 because this shit's just going to straight kick your ass. Um, I did read through some of the classes and I don't know why I was immediately drawn to it, but the Thurge looked awesome. I mean, the artwork alone is incredible. And I read through, obviously, it's a priest, right? It's a cleric. I shouldn't say priest. It's a cleric. Uh, you read through it. You can tell, okay, yeah, this is a cleric. But, you know, some of the things that they do that D&D, you know, has gone away from to try to be more friendly is they very specifically call out hatreds in this game. Like, they're like, theurges don't like, you know, magic users. They don't like it. Even though they're, you know, they're clerics and they use magic. They're like, yeah, they don't like that stuff. Um, and, and there's some very, there's some very strong biases and hatreds in this game. So, and, and I wanted to throw that out there because if you're someone who's actively trying to avoid a game like that, this is not the game for you. Please don't mess with this game. Please don't criticize it because they've done this. Just avoid it. Um, if you're someone who's okay with that, and I think I'm okay with it as long as it's done correctly, um, there's some there's some strong biases in this game, and I think it's done well. Yeah, I like the you know the mystics because they dabble with the corruption more. They have a higher corruption threshold, um, so I I think that's necessary to get people to actually want to play it. Uh, just from a standpoint of if every time you were to play a character and you're like, well, I'm penalized for doing the thing I'm here to do, it would make it not as fun. So kind of remember that. Um, I also know that from some of the other stuff to some of those creatures that are from the forest, like trolls, I think have a higher resistance to corruption. Um, so I'll be curious to see how that transfers over from the old book to the new book, because a there's a, a subclass like a troll singer that is very resistant to corruption. And then that's also a mystic, which is very resistant to corruption. And they can just kind of cast spells all day long and not really fear for it. Um, charisma not being a dump stat is fantastic. Uh, yeah. It, it's important for everyone. doesn't matter what you are. So no longer just throw your eight in there because you'll regret it. Um, right. I'm a monk. What am I going to do? Yeah. You still and have to fight like, it off. Oh no. And, uh, what else? Yeah, it, it's very much like uh, some of the the vampire stuff, right? You get too much shadow corruption, um, or you become too much corruption, and you end up handing your NPC over because you fell to the blood craze. Yeah, like, and and going back to like the biases and the racism, um, it feels lived in. Uh, it feels it feels handled like it feels like it's handled by adults. 
Um, I think a lot of people will use like racism. You can find a ton of horror stories online. People use racism in their game to act like racists. And they will use it as like a as a sword to ruin other people's fun. Um, but I think when it's handled, you know, with maturity, like adults, you know, it's a part of the world. It's an unfortunate part of our world. But I can remember Nolan playing a character who's half drow and then finding out that his character, that it's not something he had to hide because he was in a party with a bunch of people that had never met drow before. Didn't care. Yeah. And didn't know. Yeah. Like, I'm from the mountains, man. I, I don't even know that there's more than one kind of elf. And I think that goes And right suddenly back his to... character can. I think that goes right back to the type of players you have at the game, though, too. If you have players who, like yeah. you said, Zach, we're going to use racism as a way to act like fucking jackasses, then that's what you're going to get. But if you have characters who are like, oh, no one's going to play a drow. That's cool. Let's check it out and see how that goes. And and I do think like in the case of our group, like Dom and John and Cherie didn't necessarily know that that the drow were considered to be evil and, and that there was a lot of racial hatred. And I do think when Nolan and I first talked about him playing a half drow, we actually acknowledged that and said, OK, because I, I think Nolan, you and I had a conversation about how, you know, remember, drow are not really looked, you know, kindly upon. Um, but then again, it wasn't something that I ever brought as the DM into the game because, frankly, I didn't want to. I didn't want that in the game. And maybe every once in a while I would throw out a comment, but it was like, I don't know if I want to talk to you. I don't know if I trust you because you're a dark elf. Uh, but at the yeah. end of the day, it wasn't ever something that we really dwelled on. Um, well, and, and I, I think, think pulling it out as being a character going to Chult, where it didn't matter, it worked out, right? I'm not going to be a drow in the north and not expect it to not be some weird issues in this. You know, so I think there's a time and a place for it. I didn't, I didn't get a lot of that here because I think, I don't know. I think some of it has to do with just the art in general with everything. Like the whole world seems like a shade of gray just in general. Like, you know, there is the, the goblins are gray. The, uh, <laughs> the humans are gray. Uh, and it's not, they're not made after anybody. They're all fictitious beings, right? Like it's like, Oh, you're prejudiced against goblins. You hate goblins. You're like, well, they're not real. Like, <laughs> Like, it's like, yeah. it's not real. It's like hating a pencil. Like, it's just, it's just a thing in a game that it's a tool to be used. Like, so yeah. the trolls, the elves, the elves being the bad guys, like, you know, you won't hear any on that side. And again, it's everybody's fighting. Everyone's fighting to when everybody's fighting to fix something, but none of them can agree upon it. That's hatred that's in this kind of game. You know, there's there's this blight. The world's bad. Everybody thinks they can fix it or want to live and try and do their own thing. And everybody else is trying to do their own thing. And you just have that personality clashing up against each other. So, yeah, just be mature about it. But yep. I don't think it's inherently wrong. Like some games, like you just don't want to in include it. Well, and I think like, some of that stuff too on this what? here. It's like again, they're goblins, right? You have disadvantage with charisma stuff. Okay, it doesn't mean that people aren't gonna. You just have a harder time getting along. And I think that's kind of the thing of that's how you handle it. You don't be like, I'm not talking to you. You're a goblin. Like, well, make a persuasion check to see if they'll deal with you. Like, listen, man, I can't be seen serving your kind in here. Get lost or whatever, you know, like, yeah, I like, get it. You, you at least had the role. You had a chance to, you know. Yeah. Like everyone should be mature about it. Like it's things that happen in our real life. And there's no, like, I understand if people want to play a game and get away from that. 
but also if everyone at the table understands that we are playing out roles here, we're exploring something that it is heavy, but like we're not, we're going to be adults about it. We're not using it to like display our actual racism. Like we're just discussing like this is how this world works. So I had an incident recently. I, I say incident very lightly here. Uh, I got invited to DM for um, a seventh grader, seventh grader's birthday party, seventh or eighth grade, I can't remember which. Um, and him and his group of friends. It turned out it was an absolute blast. I had so much fun playing with them and seeing their excitement. And you know, it was a very cheesy story about them saving villagers or children from a group of goblins, right? Yeah. And um, one of the kids was introducing his character, and he mentioned that he hated I, I forget which race it was i think it was like dragonborn it's like i hate dragonborn and um uh will actively try to hurt them and i was like well hold on stop i said listen i understand that you're trying to you know develop your character but that's not something that we need to develop here i said i don't want to deal with racial yeah. hatred because it's not necessary i said i don't think you're a hateful person and i said so why would we want to try to act that out and just to look from the dad who was there um he just smiled ear to ear. You could just see he was like, thank you for addressing that right away. And the kid was like, you know what? That's a good point. Yeah, no problem. And I, he says, how about if I say I'm mistrustful of Dragonborn? I'm like, that's fine. I'm okay with that. I said, but we don't need to hate them because there could be a Dragonborn that you meet that you like. And it could completely change your perspective and make you learn to trust them more. I said, so let's let's not say hatred. Let's Let's change how we do that. And he was perfectly fine with that. Yeah. You know, there's, I think that's a great party moment to have a character who's like, not it, like wizards cannot be trusted, just straight up. Like you are full of corruption. And then to have the wizard be like, like, maybe it's like, maybe I don't have a choice, you know, like, or maybe it's like, hey, man, like stay in your own lane. And then for the party to slowly come together and learn to trust each other and get over their biases and prejudices, that's a good character moment. Absolutely. And those are the kind of things I love those type of moments. I love seeing characters develop like that and and see those 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 inherent or, or those learned hatreds, if you will, uh, change and, and learn to respect people and, and be a decent fucking human being or decent fucking goblin or whatever you want to call it. Right. I love those moments. Those are awesome moments. So I just I just wanted to make sure that people understand that these those there are some heavy topics, some heavy things in this game. And I don't want somebody to get into this game and be like, attacking freely because they created this game this way i want people to understand that yes this is the kind of stuff that you may see in this depending on how you play it and if you don't want to deal with it don't buy it if you're willing to deal with it and deal with it in a mature way or even play the game and say okay you know what there is no goblins don't aren't hated or or or, or whatever and you want to change it that way that's fine i think there's ways to appreciate this game for the beauty that it is all right, so we are again over time. Wow, we've been going over time a lot here, Sorry. Lately, fellas. No, that's that's cool. I did want to mention that if you are interested in checking out the original Symbrum, the the D twenty system, the over under system, it is available on uh, Drive Through RPG. It is available on Amazon, so you can go check it out. And, and still, I think you can even go to Free League and publish or purchase it there. This is for the five E update. This Kickstarter, I do want to mention that this Kickstarter funded in twenty nine minutes, and I think they're bumping a million dollars i can't remember I, I looked but i don't remember what i saw uh, i know it's doing very very well uh, so 
I would say don't hesitate to get involved with it if this is something you're interested in. It does seem like Free League does a great job with their Kickstarters. I did back the One Ring. Got you know they were very forthcoming with their updates. Uh, supposedly that's something I'm going to be seeing a PDF for here within the next four, three or four months. So they do you know they do a pretty good job of keeping you updated. Uh, I think the game looks incredible. I think the artwork looks absolutely stunning. And I think the layout looks amazing. And I would, uh, unfortunately, it's not something I'm going to back just because I need, or probably hip deep in Kickstarters. Uh, but it is something that once the book comes out for general purchase, I will probably end up purchasing this book. Yeah. And if you're interested in it, all you need from 5e is the player's handbook. Um, it has its bestiary, it has its classes, it has its races that'll be in there. Um, so you will use these three books that they put out for the most part. And then if it's not covered in it, you will use the PHB. And most of that stuff's going to be dealing with skills. That's kind of the only thing carried over. So don't plan on being a war-forged warlock in this world. They don't exist um, because the class system is different. So if you're... If you like 5e rules and you're looking for something different and it will be very different, um, this might be it for you. Yep. And the first there 50 pages are rules, and then after that, it is all adventures. Yeah. It's I'm very excited. It's like a it's a complete total overhaul or a 5e with just like the mechanics are still in place, but you get new classes, you get new gameplay. I'm very excited. I'm yep. really curious, you know, some of the the subclasses that they've announced uh, with the captain. Um, one of the captain's big claim to fames is uh, it reminds me a lot of a bard, but on a martial style. You you increase the output of everybody in your group's combat abilities. So I, I'm curious to see how they all interact. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more. I'm going to back it. Are you? It is 1,488% um, funded. Yeah. <laughs> I just went to Kickstarter to, to try to pull it up. It is actually the featured project on the Kickstarter homepage. It is nice. It is. That's exciting. Um, they are, okay, they're sitting at $354,000 with 2,815 backers with 11 days to go. There is a link in the show notes. Like I said, this Kickstarter funded in 29 minutes. So obviously it is a well thought of game. Uh, and Free League, I think, is doing some fantastic work. I'm looking forward to seeing some of the other stuff that they have coming out because so far they've they've blown us away. Well, gents, yeah, that is yeah, that is our gen that is our gents for that is our show for this week. Unless you have anything else to add, I don't. No, go watch Mortal Kombat if you've got HBO Max. It's <laughs> worth it. Goes. Well, great. Uh, thanks, everybody, so much for listening this week. We will catch you next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>